Welcome into Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack. You know, we're hearing a lot about this AI technology, and uh, but robots are helping us as well, and they're improving the lives of warehouse workers. We'll hear about that, a new technology from the University of Missouri. And we'll find out what college graduates need to do in order to start saving for the future. We'll have Kimberly Palmer from NerdWallet along. Missouri's fireworks retailers, all fired up for this time of year. Of course, 4th of July right around the corner. Lisa Nelson's with the state fire marshal, Tim Bean, about fireworks season. They will be popping up. I mean, you'll see them uh, being erected now, and uh, but they won't go into operations till June the 20th. And then how long are they open? Uh, the staff allows them to be open for 10 days. So they'll run from uh, June 20th till uh, July 10th. I'm curious, do you know, like, um, are there nonprofits, volunteers who run fireworks stands as a, a, a way to fundraise here in Missouri? Does that exist here? Yes, ma'am. That's probably the largest people that apply is uh, folks that are raising money for different uh, opportunities. So yes, they're they're just uh, what we call seasonal retailers, and uh, they apply for this permit just for uh, this particular time. You know, there's been a lot of talk over the years, and and you may or may not know this, so I may be putting you on the spot here, but here in recent years, basically since the pandemic, you know, there's been talk about. Uh, supply chain issues and how that might impact things. I'm curious if you're hearing much in terms of supply chain for fireworks this year. No, uh, we've met with uh, the jobbers and the, you know, the seasonal retailers and et cetera that makes up the fireworks world uh, in some meetings because we're looking at our uh, statute and our rules for fireworks that needs to be refreshed. So we've been having several meetings with these folks. And so during those conversations, uh, what had happened was when the COVID event broke out and, and the supply and demand couldn't be met um, there for uh, about a year and a half. But, you know, uh, the lines opened up and they started receiving their ordered fireworks that they hadn't received. And so actually what happened there um, was a stockpile. So they, they kind of stockpiled uh, their fireworks and were able to uh, have the product now on hand. So uh, I think everyone pretty much is set up pretty good as for supply and demand right now. You know, you're talking about the statutes there. What fireworks are banned in Missouri, and does it depend on the city? In the, I mean, I don't want to get too into the weeds as far as, uh, the, you know, stat, the statute spells out like uh, 1.4G. That is the label that, that would be on a firework, and that's what you will see, you know, at these seasonal retailers. So as far as banned, depending, and I'm going to open another door here, so bear with me. I think we should cover this a little bit later maybe. Uh, as conditions uh, deteriorate as far as droughts and dryness, the statute, if a burn ban goes into place, it covers uh, missiles. It spells out missiles and um, lanterns. Uh, 
in the statute, but technically, uh, if a local jurisdiction, a municipality, or a uh, corporation, or a fire protection district was to uh, have a city ordinance or an ordinance that covers, you know, what can and cannot be shot in the in their boundaries or in their districts, then, you know, that's controlled at the local level. Missouri State Fire Marshal Tim Bean joins Show Me Today to talk about things that go boom, and they're, they're coming up here pretty soon. Are there any newer fireworks, Tim, that, that are on the market that are maybe extra tricky to handle that you would caution people to be very careful with? Well, that's a good question, and uh, what we are experiencing in the fireworks industry is a trend for a, a different type uh, of energy in a firework, and so that is why we're uh, aggressively looking at our statutes and rules to uh, deal with those. Uh, right now, the market is still, uh, you know, pretty much in the 1.4G, but uh, there is some 1.4P, and that P represents professional. So an individual might see that out there uh, across our state somewhere. So I would definitely encourage people uh, to stay away from uh, the professional grade and that is really only supposed to be sold to a a um, licensed uh, shooter that we permit through our office but sometimes that slips through the crack uh, we learn of so that is something to watch for but your seasonal retailer you know they should uh, be managing that at that level Okay, so I grew up in Iowa where um, fireworks were illegal, but uh, right. so so it's not a big old fascination to me, um, like for some people. But like, what's what is with the whole fascination of, of fireworks? Really, I mean, is it the joy of of firing off explosives or scaring people or what? <laughs> well, I, I think traditionally, historically. Um, what the joy that's been associated with is, with fireworks is through uh, celebrations. So as an example, you know, 4th of July, we're celebrating our, our nation's independence. And so I think traditionally through the years, uh, that's just been attached as uh, a method to celebrate that and associated with that. And, you know, for an example, the Cardinals game, St. Louis Cardinal game, when somebody hits a home run, uh, if the Cardinal hits a home run, you know, they shoot fireworks off. So I think there's just different avenues. Uh, yes, there is folks that I believe probably has a fascination with the piece of uh, you know, the explosion and, and the dynamics associated with that also. 
Are there really many home run fireworks going off at Bush Stadium this year, Tim? Well, there's more than usual, but it's not helping. It's not helping. That's it's for not sure. It's helping right now. We're we're not doing real well as far as the wind column. That's for sure. What kind of advice do you have for people who will be shooting off fireworks? There's several things that we would want to point out here. And, you know, the number one thing I guess we we always advocate is um, we recommend people leave shooting the fireworks to the professionals. And, you know, throughout our state, um, local communities will have a dedicated fireworks display where they do bring in, you know, trained professionals and, and have a very nice display uh, associated with maybe a, you know, um, downtown grow or, or barbecue or other activities leading up to that evening's event. So uh, to get, you know, uh, the enjoyment of fireworks displays, those are the best uh, venues to try to attend. But, um, you know, if you do want to um, have your own fireworks and uh, have your, your own activity, um, there is some safety things here that that I will run through. Um, you know, number one, purchase your your fireworks from uh, a licensed, legit uh, provider, and uh, then uh, once you uh, take get them home and start your activities, children are, I mean, they're fascinated. Some are, some aren't, but. Always keep the children in mind. Uh, keep them away from the fireworks and the folks that are, would be lighting them. Make sure to have, uh, I've, I've got a five-gallon bucket of water that I keep close, and it serves more, you know, a couple purposes. A, if the grass catches on fire or something, or if there's a malfunction in a firework, it you light it and it doesn't go off. Uh, fireworks sales at seasonal retailers run from June 20th through July 10th here in Missouri. I want to thank uh, State Fire Marshal Tim Bean uh, for joining Show Me Today to talk about all things fireworks. If you want to hear more, subscribe to Show Me Today on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Hey, Jimmy, turn off the video games. Let's go play some ball. I'm in the middle of my game. Can't we go later? Come on, it'll be fun. It'll be there when you get back. Okay. But there's no way you're gonna win. Why don't you grab some water and granola bars and then we'll see about that. You can make a difference. Eat smart, play hard. And when you do, your kids will too. A challenge from USDA. Some people won't give you the real talk on drugs. But it's time we know the facts. Fentanyl is often laced into illicit drugs and used to make fake versions of prescription pills. You can't see it, taste it, or smell it. Suppliers mix fentanyl into their products because it's potent and cheap, and the dealer might not even know. Keep yourself and others safe by knowing the real deal on fentanyl. Get the facts. Go to realdealonfentanyl.com. This message is brought to you by the Ad Council. It's 4 a.m., Monday. 
and you're literally sucking baby snot through a tube because she's congested. Man, that's love. And if you love her that much, love her enough to make sure she's buckled in the right car seat. To make sure your child's in the right seat for their age and size, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. If a baby is giggling in the back seat, they're probably happy. If a baby is crying in the back seat, they're probably hungry. But if a baby is sleeping in the back seat, will you remember they're even there? When you're distracted, stressed, or not usually the one who drives them, the chances of forgetting them in the back seat are much higher. It can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get in the habit of checking the back seat when you leave. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. We're back on Show Me Today. I'm Bill Pollack. Congratulations to those new college graduates. It's been about a month or so, a month and a half. Uh, Hopefully you have a job lined up or the job hunt is going well. As college grads get ready to balance student loans, uh, living on their own, Kimberly Palmer from NerdWallet is here to give some money tips for savings. Hi, Kimberly. Hi, Bill. Thanks for having me. Your article is Financial Tips for New College Grads. And I wish I knew about this information back uh, in my day. But you spoke with five different money experts to share their strategies. Did you find, for the most part, that each of those experts kind of preached the same points? Or was there some variance in what they suggested? There's definitely some underlying themes that everyone pretty much agrees on, which we'll probably get to. But then at the same time, everyone, based on their own experience, has their own little twist, their own little topic that they like to focus on. So it was really helpful to pull all of that together because it's overwhelming. I mean, there's so much to think about as a new grad. And so I think it helps to get some outside perspectives. Yeah, you have uh, over a handful of tips. Um, let's start with those. And and the, the first one that you have is finding your budgeting style. And as I was reading this, um, the person that you spoke with said, instead of following the latest budgeting trend on TikTok, now I'm on TikTok, but between learning how to smoke a a brisket or following 800 dog videos, uh, (laughs) uh, budgeting hasn't popped up for me. But what is, I'm just curious, what what is that latest trend that they're talking about on TikTok? Yes, you should check some budgeting hashtags on TikTok because there are There are actually some fascinating trends and they tend to pop up and then sometimes disappear just as quickly. But I think what my money expert here was referring to is 
the cash stuffing trend. I don't know if you've heard of that one, but basically a lot of young people are following these videos where you literally take all of your cash and you split it up into envelopes and you basically avoid any digital method of managing your money. And of course, there's lots of risks, you know, if you have so much cash around, but some people find it helpful to have that tangible cash and to just focus on putting it in different envelopes and budgeting that way. So it's a totally valid way to budget as long as you're aware of those risks, because nobody wants to lose a big envelope of cash. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, for those listeners who maybe are not on TikTok, but uh, if you've listened to Dave Ramsey on the radio, I think he's talked about that before. And it's more of just a Here's like money that you set aside. It's like, okay, if you're going to do this, then then here's the money you have. And then once once it's gone, then then that's it. But at least it's yes, it's kind of accounted for. Yeah, but exactly. But, yeah. Exactly. But but what is a, a budgeting style? How do we figure out our budgeting style? Well, the key here is to know that there's really no one uniform style that everyone has to adopt. And the basic two big choices you have to make are, are you more of like a paper and pen type person where you want to track your budget, something, you know, physically, and you're not advocating, you know, using the budgeting apps and letting it track digitally that way? Or do you prefer that digital approach? I think that's the biggest divide. And it's something that you have to decide for yourself. Do you like using pen and paper or do you want to put it all on an app uh, and let the digital functions do that work for you? So that's choice number one. That's good. You know, and I think you could almost do both. I I don't know. I I don't know if, you know, college kids are more like this, um, but you know, sometimes writing it out and seeing it in front of you and then putting it into the app, that can kind of help, too, because there's times uh, even my wife. Well, I shouldn't say my wife and I. It's my wife who handles our stuff. Um, <laughs> things at times can become overwhelming. And and sometimes if you just write it out and you look at it, it's like, OK, it kind of makes a little more uh, more sense for you. Yes, I think that's such a good point. And a lot of people do prefer that hybrid approach where maybe you're tracking your spending, you know, digitally, but then once a week or once a month, you actually get out some, a pen and paper and just take that approach because it can help you to mix it up. And, you know, if you do let the apps do all the work for you, it might be easy to forget about the big picture. And so I think you're right. I think a mix can be really helpful. The most important thing is just to make a choice. So you're doing something and you're not just ignoring your money. Kimberly Palmer from NerdWallet, financial tips for new college grads. And this next one is good. Uh, Your salary is one number. What you actually take home every two weeks or a month is different. Uh, Your experts suggest you got to factor in taxes. It's so easy to forget about taxes, especially for people who are earning money on a contract basis or freelancers. And so you're not having the taxes taken out for you. And it's something that you want to remember. You don't want to spend your entire salary or all of the money that you're getting without accounting for those taxes, because that will be a very unpleasant surprise. And so you definitely want to think about when you're budgeting, how much is going to taxes. There's plenty of online calculators to help you figure out exactly how much to set aside. But you do want to make sure you keep that in mind. What's the general thinking from financial experts for college grads when it comes to um, contributing to a, a retirement, say a 401k, as opposed to dumping that money that would go into a 401k into maybe a student loan debt to pay it off quicker? Well, this question actually is a bit controversial because not everyone agrees on what you should prioritize. But I would say most of the money experts that I spoke with say you always want to at least start your retirement account 
and also take advantage of any match that's being offered by your employer, even as you pay off your student loans. And so if you can, you want to try to find a way to do both of those things. Of course, you need to pay off what's due with your student loans every single month. But in terms of getting ahead and maybe paying off extra, you want to prioritize starting that retirement fund. Because even though it seems so far away, it's much easier to save for retirement if you start earlier. Yeah. And then that money multiplies and multiplies the longer it's there, too. Exactly. Yeah. And you can even start with a very small amount, like 1% of each paycheck. You uh, talk about protecting your credit. This is probably the number one tip that should be followed. Don't miss a debt payment. It is so important for young people because if you miss a payment, that can hurt your credit score and make it so much harder down the road to take out any kind of loan you need, whether it's an auto loan or a mortgage or even a new credit card. And so you really want to think about protecting your credit. And a piece of that, too, is just making sure that you stay safe from identity theft. If you are not in the market to be taking out a new loan anytime soon, you might even want to consider freezing or locking your credit just to make sure you're staying safe from identity thieves. So you basically want to think about that. Think about protecting your credit. It's such a valuable number and part of your overall financial health. Kimberly Palmer from NerdWallet. One advisor said, make mistakes and learn from them. I mean, I don't think we purposely want to make mistakes with our money, but what are two or three of the maybe biggest uh, mistakes that college grads will, will make? I mean, it's such a good question. I think one of the biggest mistakes is not thinking about your money, just being so excited about that first paycheck, you know, understandably <laughs> that you don't really sit down and make a budget. So that would be number one. And then number two is just overspending on those credit cards. So many people get into trouble with that because when you first earn an income, it's often the first time you can actually have your own credit card. And so it's easy, you know, if you haven't had that practice before to overspend on it. And uh, your last tip uh, in your article, Financial Tips for New College Grads, uh, look beyond your paycheck. Yes. And this is all about looking for other ways to strengthen your own financial security by earning more money, even outside your main job. So maybe it's time to think about what kind of side job could I launch? Is there a side hustle I've always dreamed about? Even starting your own business, building the foundation for doing that one day. So just thinking a little bit outside the box, even as you settle into your first job. Kimberly Palmer from NerdWallet. If you uh, go back and you want to hear one of these tips, um, find our podcast at Apple. Just search Show Me Today or find Kimberly's work online. And where do we do that, Mrs. Palmer? Thank you. Twitter at Kimberly Palmer and at NerdWallet. All of my articles are there. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. You know, we got just a couple uh, days left in June. Our, our schedules were competing this month. Normally we talk much sooner. You're probably already ready to drop your July article here and, and some tips soon. You know, what's so funny is that I'm actually doing my column on cash stuffing, which we talked about at the beginning of this conversation. And so I'm going to be exploring, you know, how do you use that safely and what are some things you need to watch out for? Oh, well, that's that's great. So we'll talk uh, what in the next uh, week or two then, I bet. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Kimberly Palmer from NerdWallet. Nice visiting. Thanks for having me. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past a turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. 
It's our roads. It's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. If you're talking, they will hear you. Why are we getting killed like this? Kyle's not here. Got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Harsh. Hey, he knew not to drink. We've made that clear to all of our kids, right? Uh, no, not really. Bill, if we don't tell them what we expect and why they shouldn't drink, how are they going to know? Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Hi, it's Tori DeVito. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact. Like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic. Your honesty about that part of your life gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted to uphold in my own life. I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs. I said it a lot, and I'm glad you took it to heart. Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control, and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Email from school about the incident today. Scary. Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on? None. I mean, you saw Derek at the game last night, too. Did you have a clue? No, but you know, teachers like me, parents, we don't always know as much as you guys do. Kids hear first about what's going on with other kids. Half the time, it's rumors. It can be hard to tell sometimes, but if you have a concern about a friend who's having trouble with alcohol, prescription drugs, bullying, violence, anything, you need to tell an adult. Mom or me, a teacher, coach, school counselor, someone you know and trust. Dad, no kid is going to tell an adult about that kind of stuff. I get it, but if we don't know, we can't help. Speaking up about a problem, that's what helping a friend is all about. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. 
Welcome back to Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. With the 4th of July being in the middle of the week, there's some events that are taking place this weekend and then many the following weekend after the 4th, and thousands of people will be entertained by the Wingnuts Flying Circus Air Show taking place in Tarkio in northwest Missouri, Saturday the 8th. Air Show Manager Brooks Hurst is with Anthony Morbeth. We have a uh, an air show, and that rivals Oshkosh for one day as far as our lineup of performers. Um, just, you know, real quick uh, listing, we've got Aeroshell, which is always a big hit with, with everybody. Uh, Matt Yonkin and his Twin Beach. Um, Jim Pice is going to fly uh, Bonanza. Um, we've got Gamebird coming this year, so we've got a lot of great acts. Uh, the, the SOCOM Paracommando jump team will perform, um, so we've got a lot of great acts. And the way we get these acts is anybody that's a pilot will be interested. Um, as as ever, a lot of people know, Congressman Sam Graves is, is here in Tokyo, so we invite him to host a official town hall meeting so we get uh, people from the transportation uh, committee and as that he's chair of and uh, and then we get of course all of the the um, alphabet soup of the aviation associations um, AOPA EAA um, National Business Administration or Association uh, aviation Association um, you know just a lot of a lot of the people that work in Washington on behalf of pilots and so um, it's a great opportunity for anybody that's interested in aviation to learn a lot and also to be able to speak to, um, you know, some people that make decisions. And so just a quick rundown of the time schedule. That town hall meeting will start at 1030. And then as soon as the town hall meeting is over, we go right into their show right about noon and uh, kicks off with the pair of commanders. Um, jumping and then and then our acts and and again we'll have some more bird acts and and uh, some different things that, that a lot of people will be interested in. So this event takes place on July the eighth and uh, obviously it takes place in Tarkio. Is it does it take place at uh, the Gold Peterson Airport there? That is correct, and uh, the airport's located just outside of Tarkio, just east on Highway one thirty six, and then um, Route O goes north, and so. It'll be easy to find. Of course, you'll see lots of planes flying in. We uh, we have we invite every pilot to to fly in. Uh, you know, we have lots of pilots from all over the Midwest come in to uh, see the air show. So there'll be lots of general aviation planes landing. Um, you know, the before the show there, and uh, so it's easy to find. And like I say, it's just you know half mile east of Tarkia, so it's it's easy to find. So this event attracts pilots from all across the Midwest, the Great Plains and the Upper Midwest. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, we've got people flying in from Minnesota. And, and uh, um, you know, we've had people as far away as, as uh, you know, Alabama and, and Texas flying in before just, uh, you know, because, like I say, the, the town hall is a, is a great um, attraction for pilots to get to talk to the aviation um, leaders in, in the country. And then, we, you know, we also have a great air show that uh, people love to come. And, and, it's, and it's a good time for pilots to, to get together and, and just talk about flying. And, and a lot of people like seeing the general aviation planes as well. I mean, you know, not only the, the performers in their, in their fancy planes during the show, but, you know, you get a lot of just plain old Cessnas and, and Pipers that, 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 that people like to see. 
And if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Brooks Hurst, the city of Tarkio's airport manager, as well as the air show manager for this event, the Wingnuts Flying Circus. It takes place on July the 8th. And I don't know about you, Brooks, but when I think of the 4th of July, I immediately think of the air show. And I went as a kid to go see many of them, saw the Navy Blue Angels, I, I don't know how many times. And it was this sort of in, intended to kind of, you know, kill two birds with one stone with this event being around the 4th of July? Uh, yeah, of course. Um, well, and actually, um, the other thing is we, we try to do um, to, you know, this air show has several purposes. One of them is to get the general public interested in aviation, get kids flying. There's nothing better than, than uh, you know, seeing a, a kid get his license and his first solo. And, uh, you know, we, we would love to, to get kids interested in aviation. But then the other purpose that we try to do is to pay honor to our veterans for the sacrifices they've made. And um, so the reason it is always, you know, when, when we have our air show, it's always the second um, Saturday in July. And the reason we have it on the second Saturday is because that's guard weekend. So a lot of times when, when your neighbors and friends are, are doing their guard duty, they're flying their Apaches out of uh, Whiteman or, you know, B2s or whatever, um, they do that on the second Saturday. So it's real easy for us to get uh, um, them to come in. In fact, I think we've got um, some A-10s are going to fly over from Whiteman. And, uh, you know, it's real easy on, on the guard weekend for them to do that so that we can pay honor to our veterans and to our servicemen for the sacrifices that they and their families have made that we are able to enjoy the 4th of July and uh, public gatherings like this where, you know, it's uh, a free exchange of ideas. And, and so we're very grateful for that. And that's a, the other purpose of our airship. Couldn't have said it better myself, my friend. How long have you done this event for? Okay. So um, <laughs> you're asking so, so the way this got started is I was an airport rat when I was a kid, and, and uh, uh, Congressman Graves was, too. We, we used to go down and hang out at the airport and watch planes for plane rides and stuff like that. And the Rotary always had a fly-in. The Tarkio Rotary always had a fly-in. And uh, so when we got older and, and, you know, as you know, you things that you enjoy as a kid, you find out when you get older that there's a lot of people and so we uh, we took we took the initiative to kind of kind of start the air show because of the tradition of the rotary fly-in, and we try to keep the tradition of the fly-in. And then with the with uh, you know some of the connections we've made, and it, when, since we've been flying, we've been able to we've gotten to be friends with some some of the performers, so we're able to convince them to come because uh, performers love to come to Tarkio because it is a very laid-back show. They get a walk among the crowd. The crowd's right there with them, and, uh, you know, they get a walk around with them and talk to the people that they perform for, and, and they they really love the relaxed atmosphere that, that Tarkio allows them to interact with the public as much as they do. So how big does uh, of a crowd does this event draw? And also, uh, usually how many pilots uh, attend this event? So we usually have between 150 and 200, 210 planes, uh, general aviation planes that fly in. Um, and then we have probably somewhere around 5,000. Um, and then the, the you know, that the come and, and 
come in and see the show. And so um, it's it's a pretty big event. You know, we basically quadrupled the size of Tarkio for one day. And so uh, it's it's a lot of fun and, and a good thing for the community. And, and everybody really enjoys being able to see some of these per- performers in their backyard. What specific type of planes are they? Uh, are the uh, visitors going to expect to see? Are we talking older planes, more classic planes, some more modern ones? What are, what are we talking here? We get all types of planes. I can't tell you what all. We've had a, a Norseman um, here before. We've had Stinson trimotor, Ford trimotors, um, get lots of, of uh Steermans, um, we get lots of course warbirds. We get, we'll have T6s, um, T28s. We'll get a P51. We're going to have a Corsair performing the show. We have just about the gamut of aviation. We can almost guarantee that some representative, whether it be classic antique, uh, warbird, general aviation, um, you know, uh, aerobatic planes, uh, we, We'll, we usually get, we've had caravans on floats. We've had um, um, DC-3s come in. We'll have a B-25. Um, you know, we get just about the gamut of the aviation planes flying in, in, in today's community. So it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful opportunity. If you're just nothing but a wing nut and love seeing planes, it's a, it's a tremendous opportunity to um, come and see the the you know any type of plane that you would like to see we have a ten dollar for an adult um charge and um kids under 15 are free and so we encourage everybody to to come and visit us and uh there'll be food on the field and uh you know lots of lots of good times and um bring your chairs uh bring your lawn chairs we do not have stadium seating or anything like that so bring your lawn chairs and uh then enjoy yourself. It's a great family event. Be sure to be sure to subscribe to Show Me Today on Apple or Google Podcasts. Wherever you get your podcasts, type in Show Me Today. Download and click listen wherever you are, wherever you are going. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Discover the fascinating world of nature right here in Missouri with Discover Nature Notes. Today, let's dive into the incredible life of beavers and their impact on our ecosystems. Most of their activity happens at night. Beavers build dams to create deeper water for their lodges and protect their young. These dams provide a hub for a variety of wildlife to travel, rest, and find nourishment. Explore the trail cam footage online where you can witness the diverse creatures that visit when a beaver dam is constructed at discovernaturenotes.com. Did you know that beavers mate for life and are fiercely loyal to their families? They live in colonies, including adult parents, yearlings, and kits. Beaver structures create thriving communities for wildlife species that also help with erosion, water quality, and even fire damage protection. Uncover the secret life of beavers and explore more at discovernaturenotes.com. My therapist had told me that I needed to go to AA meetings, but I wasn't sure whether I wanted to go because I didn't want to be an alcoholic. That was not what I wanted to grow up and be. I didn't want to go to AA, but I did, and it wasn't what I expected by any means. It was friendly. I could feel it. I mean, I could feel the happiness. It's really great. 
Visit aa.org for more information and download the Meeting Guide app to find a meeting near you. Every day we take steps to keep the people we love safe, but some health risks are easy to miss. Ticks hiding in the yard can spread germs, like the ones that cause Lyme disease. Mice searching for food can spread bacteria that makes us sick. Mosquitoes lay eggs in standing water and can spread West Nile virus and more. Cockroaches are drawn to water in the home, leaving behind allergens that can trigger asthma attacks. Common pests can threaten our health. Learn how to protect your family at PestWorld.org. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. Welcome back to Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. What happens when robots help improve the lives of warehouse workers? Anthony Morbeth back with Sharon Srinivas, assistant engineering professor at the University of Missouri. Welcome back to Show Me Today. I'm your host, Bill Pollack. Technology has made for endless possibilities when it comes to improving our daily lives. Uh, what happens when robots could help improve the lives of warehouse workers? Anthony Morabith talks with Sharon Sharinavaz, Assistant Engineer Professor at the University of Missouri. In this particular case, we are working with the order picking operations. So as soon as you place an order on Amazon or any sort of online orders, um, the first step is to pick these items that you ordered from the warehouse and then load it onto the trucks. And that's what we call as the first mile of the delivery system. So that's the first step. And then after that, it goes from one warehouse to another warehouse. That's the middle mile, and that's the longest part. And then the last mile is from the warehouse that's close to your house to your doorstep. So in this particular problem, we are trying to optimize the first mile delivery operation. So let's say if you have 100 items that you need to collect from the warehouse and load it onto the truck, how fast can you do that? And how do you coordinate? Uh, traditionally, it's basically done by just the human pickers, uh, where humans... Uh, take a big cart, move around the warehouse, put all these items in that bin, and then load it onto the truck. Uh, but this is very cumbersome. There's a lot of strain on the human workers. They walk a lot. They need to push a big cart. Uh, so there's a lot of strain from, from the picker side. What we're trying to do now is try and integrate these new emerging technologies called cobots, which is basically a collaborative robot that works along with these humans. So these cobots are responsible for transporting the items autonomously throughout the warehouse. And the pickers are basically going to take and put these items on these robots. So in this, you're trying to leverage about these resources. So robots don't get tired. They go really fast around the warehouse, and, and they can operate all the three shifts um, without any issues. On the other hand, robots are not good at grasping items. So if you are having items of different shapes, we are not able to take them and put it uh, on, on the bins by themselves. 
So for that, we need humans who are very good at grasping, locating items. Uh, so what we are trying to solve here is how do you coordinate them efficiently? So if you have about 100 orders that you need to pick, which orders must be picked by which robot and which humans should be responsible for putting those items on those robots? What should be the route that the robots and the humans should take within the warehouse so that uh, you complete the whole process in the minimum time possible? So collaborative robots, I think this is actually kind of fascinating, especially with the symbiotic relationship that you're looking to forge between both uh, robots or in this case, cobots and, and humans. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this isn't actually designed to replace humans. It's more designed to help make the jobs easier. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's what I keep uh, telling uh, to, to fellow faculties and researchers, any talks that I tell. So they are, they are not designed to replace humans. They're just to make the jobs of humans easier. It's probably going to reduce the strain, the distance travel, the pickers. And, and you need both. So it not, it's not going to reduce the workforce. Uh, it's, it's just there to make your jobs easier. So obviously you have a background in data analytics and operations research, and it looks like you're helping work develop and or work on this process, uh, this uh, rather software. Um, and, and so talk to me about this software and how it would kind of integrate and interact with the robot system. So what we are trying to do here is to address four different decisions by creating an algorithm. Uh, so in my work, I, I try and create the algorithm, tries and addresses what we call as the order batching decisions. Basically, how many items should be collected by the robot in each tour. And then we also look at the assignment of these batches and how we sequence these batches. So if you have like about five robots in the warehouse, which robot is responsible for doing which batch and in what sequence? Especially not to mention with the software system that you're working on and that you're developing. Uh, the, the other thing that I think is worth mentioning is because it's kind of working and interacting with the robot system, you also could, I would assume with the click of a button, very simply uh, add any sort of updates uh, to the operating system uh, that the software that the robot's using, right? Sure. So like I said, so that's the most important piece of routing the robots. And our algorithm is able to dynamically adjust these routes as new orders come in, because that's one of the important features that you need to address uh, when you sort of route these pickers and robots. And making sure that they collaborate effectively is the most important aspect because you want to make sure that a robot and a picker are both available at that item location at the right time so that the whole process is optimized and is done as quickly as possible. We're talking with Sharon Srinivas, Assistant Professor in the Industrial and Manufacturing Systems Engineering and Marketing Department at the University of Missouri on Show Me Today to talk about how making transport, rather to talk about making transport robots smarter and the importance of that and the importance of the uh, symbiotic relationship, if you will, between robots and humans and, and things like that. So I have a follow-up to an earlier question I asked. So obviously this is uh, sort of designed to uh, make it easier for humans that are working in the warehouses. Um, so with that being said, we'll use Walmart or Amazon, for example. Is this designed to fulfill a customer's orders quicker? Yes. So the, the whole idea is to make sure that the fulfillment speed is uh, optimized. So typically, anytime an order is placed by a customer, there is internal deadlines within these warehouses. So as soon as an order comes, uh, they may have internal targets like you need to pick these orders and load it onto the truck within the next two hours. So our goal is to make sure 
that the process is optimized so that you use the resources effectively. You're not making many unnecessary trips around the warehouse. At the same time, you're meeting these deadlines that's set by uh, the organizations. So um, what's the timeline of this going to look like? When could we start to see this implemented, or is it already being implemented? So cobots are being already implemented uh, in, in certain warehouses. Uh, Europe, for instance, Germany, uh, there's several videos even on YouTube where DHL, um, a logistic provider, is using uh, sort of collaborative robots in their warehouses. There are some companies in the U.S. who have already started adopting cobots, we have companies like Six Rivers who manufacture these cobots. And uh, uh, it's, it's not only in the warehouses, we also see a potential use for these cobots in retail stores. Uh, so if you uh, probably went to Walmart in Colombia, uh, most of the time you can see a picker carrying uh, a, a big card with several bins in them trying to fulfill the online orders, uh, taking the items from the aisles. Um, right now they, they have these algorithms built in, but what trying to do is further advance these to make these algorithms better. Like how you get software updates on your phone, you're trying to update these algorithms to make them better and better um, as we move along. And uh, so is, is there a way for uh, those listening to be able to look up more information on these uh, collaborative robots online if they're interested? Sure. So there's several videos. If the, the popular term that's used in the industry is cobots, with an ac- short form for collaborative robots. And and. Um, if, you, if you try and Google that on YouTube, you should see several videos of how it's being used in practice. Um, and, and then a simple Google search will, will give you a lot of information on how the system actually works. And if you want to know, you're inclined more about the techniques behind it, there are several papers. Uh, one of our paper research work recently got published in a journal called International Journal of Production Economics. So that gives you more of the technical details, so academic literature, and white pages released by the organization gives a, a more technical side of it. But if you're interested to know more about this particular technology and, and, and a high-level overview, uh, a simple Google search should, should fetch you a lot of results. Absolutely. And uh, that's Sharon Srinivas, Assistant Professor in the Industrial and Manufacturing Systems Engineering and Marketing Departments at the University of Missouri on Show Me Today to talk about making transport robots smarter. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Show me today.